Well, glory. Get your Bibles out, church. And go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, I couldn't wait. Last week I started this message for our New Year's message. And uh, so if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. I, I, I hate to say it this morning. I'm so excited to preach. As I started going over my notes again, I got so much more. I'm probably not going to make it even as far as I did last week. But uh, we're going to stay on this until, until the Holy Ghost says move on. But I was reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. The title of this message is Don't Panic. Don't Panic. In 24, don't panic, okay? That's the word that I felt like I heard from the Lord. Everything looks bad. Hello? Are y'all with me? Y'all live in the same place I do? Everything looks bad. We're going into election year. We don't know what's going to happen with that. You got all kinds of stuff. I'm so sick and tired. Listen to me. I am so sick and tired of everything I see is about the what if of the bad thing, if they do it, is going to affect us. I'm sick of it. I want to read my Bible because my Bible tells me what my God is going to do for me no matter what the circumstance is. Isaac sowed seed in a famine and reaped a hundredfold return. It doesn't make any difference. What You say, well, it does. It's so much harder and all. It isn't if we got faith. It is, and you're going to hear you're going to hear a happy message this morning to go out those doors. I, I, I can tell you, if you're not happy when you leave, there's something wrong with you. You're not believing. You need intensive prayer. You need something cast out and something cast in. Bless God, because there's something wrong with you if you're not going to be happy at the end of this message. Because I'm telling you, the world says we're going down, but I say we're going up. Okay, the world wants to portray a lie to you. Wants to tell you that. That, you know, everything, the government's going to get you, this is going to get you, that's going to get you, the next virus is going to get you, the next this is going to get you. But I'm here to tell you that I believe in 24 in a God of miracles. I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that something is going to happen that is going to swoop across this nation, this world, that is going to shock people. And the naysayers are going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That God is going to do something so miraculous. You know, like, here you go. Let me just, I, I'm just throwing this out. This is not prophetic. All right? I'm not saying, yay, hey, thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying, what if? I'm playing what if on a positive way. You know? What if? Listen, I, 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 this is crazy. I know it's crazy, but just listen to me. What if they found out that cedar oil done a certain way cured cancer, and then all of us that's got stinking cedar fever, we cut down the cedar trees, made money off of them, and got rid of pollen. Woo! And you all became filthy rich over something that was making you sick. That's the kind of God I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that's so outlandish that all the big farmers and everything like that, they couldn't even come up and think about this. And the next thing you know, all of us just got rich. He said, well, I don't know if God moves like that. Well, then stay over in your world of doom and gloom. You're talking about the children of Egypt stuck there, over there, whipping them, not giving them any straw to make bricks, beating them down. And the next thing you know, they're knocking on their door saying, oh, yeah, that big silver platter that you have over there that you serve. I'd like that. And they say, oh, yes, won't you take it, give it. And they plunder. The word is used, plunder. The Egyptians and Israel leaves with all of the wealth 
the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth, they leave with all of the wealth, put it in their carts, and leave. Who would have thought that? Who would have thunk it? That the slaves could have gotten all the wealth and left the nation. But see, people have given up on God. People have given up on believing in a God of miracles. And I'm here to preach you happy today and get your faith going to tell you that I still believe in a God of miracles. I still believe in a God that can turn things around. If we'll just put our faith in Him. Quit looking for anything else to be your source. But make God your source in 24. Woo, man, I'm telling you. You just watch something. I'm telling you it's going to happen. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. The world is going to step back and say, man, we didn't see that one coming. Because they think, listen. The devil thinks he's got it all under control. The devil's got his little check sheets, and he's just checking them off, and he thinks, oh, yeah, I got this all under control. We're just going right down there. We're just going. And all of a sudden, God loves to mess up the devil's checklist. Okay? And so I'm saying to you, don't panic. I'm saying 24 can be the greatest year of your life if you'll just hang in there with God and quit letting the world set your agenda. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 1, it says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brother, I have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes. Now, I brought this point out last week, but I want to reiterate it. That saying peace and safety, listen to me, there's a craziness on this world. And I'm just saying it. I don't care. They can cut me off. They can do whatever. They're going to get me anyway, so I might as well just go for it. Listen to me. There's people out there right now saying that, that this election year is all about democracy. And if, 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 they're, if, they're, if one side doesn't win, democracy is lost. But yet, they're only looking at it from their view of what they think truth is. They think things are better. They think things are great. They think things are doing everything. They think peace and safety, look what we've done. When we're all standing here saying, you're idiots. You ain't got the sense God gave a brass monkey, right? We're not saying peace and safety. We're saying, holy cow, look at the division. Look at the strife. Look at what's going on. See, your peace and safety is come about by what that person thinks in their mind, and they can be absolutely on the edge, getting ready to fall over into the pit of hell, but be saying, oh, no, we're safe. Everything's okay. No, it's not. So when they say Jesus is, is coming back as a thief and I. Everybody's saying, oh, peace and safety. Well, who's saying it? He says, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains them in a pregnant woman. You know, I remember our first child being born. We're just sitting around the house just like nothing. Everything looked good. Everything looked like a normal day. Then next thing you know, it's, ha! Oh! And, man, it was like, ha! For the first time in life, I felt like I could speed and be, like, tell the cops to get in front of me. I drove fast as my old car would go, slid up there sideways, runner in there. 23 later, hours later, we had the kid. But them first ones, you don't know what's going to happen, you know. Here you go. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that the day should overtake you as a thief. We're not in darkness, folks. Listen to me. You are not in darkness. You are awesome people. You are amazing people. You're sitting here this morning, came to church, got up, come out here to seek God, and you're in an awesome, awesome, awesome place. Look at the person beside you and say, you're amazing. So we're not going to be like those that are in darkness. We're not going to be like those that are in a, in a, in a, in a, unaware of what's going on. Because I'm telling you what God is doing. 
So then he goes on down in here and he says, uh, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And the helmet of hope of salvation. And so last week I talked about that. That we got to get ourselves into a position of faith, a position of love, and a position of hope. Okay? Because I believe God is preparing a table for us. Psalms 23.5 says, You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. That is our God, folks. Listen to me. That is our God. He wants to prepare a table that we can just come and sit down and start eating. At the table, not worried about what's going on, not freaking out, not not running down the streets, not saying, oh, my gosh, what if this happens? Or, oh, no, no, just sit down and eat. God's preparing a table for you in 24. He's got everything you like on the on the table. It's going to be good. It's going to be like, yea, though, on a walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't fear any evil for you're with me. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're not fearing evil. Because why? God's with you. So you got, you, know, you got it covered. It's okay. No problem. He wants to prepare a place for you in 24 that your cup's going to run over. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to skip through a bunch of this because I can feel I am not going anywhere. I just want to stay on this, 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 this message, okay? Then we looked at Matthew 8, 23. We saw about the disciples in the boat with Jesus. We saw that. You know, they were freaking out, but Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is with you. In 24, he's in the boat with you. There's no sense freaking out. You just need to turn to the master. And as long as what Jesus is saying is or not saying, if he's asleep, you might as well just kick your feet up and rest too. Hello? Because Jesus is there with you. Now, John 7, 24 is an important scripture. Because John 7, 24 says, that do not judge according to appearance, but judgeth righteous judgment. Now, what does that mean? You can't look at the world and try to figure it out. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? You can't go look at the world with your, just in, 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 in your logical look and try to see if this makes any sense. Because it doesn't make any sense until you take the Bible and then look through the word at the situation, and then it starts making sense. You've got to judge righteously. You've got to judge according and based upon the word. If you just look at everything according to the word, it all makes total sense. If you look at it and try to logically understand it, you can't get there. It'll just bring you frustration. It'll just cause you to have indigestion all year. So, okay, so then we got into our four areas. Four areas we've got to work on, all right? So the number one area you've got to start working on in 24 is to stop worrying. You say, oh, yeah, that's true. It's like trying to quit eating ice cream. Proverbs 14, 19 says, The evil will, bl- will bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Listen to me, folks. God wins. Listen to me. I don't... Everything, the, the, the frustrations we feel, all the things we see, it's all because we're being discomforted. Hello? That's what it is. We're being discomforted. I like comfort. I do. I like things to go right. I like things to go easy. I don't like those mornings when I wake up and the very first thing I did is spill my coffee. Have you all ever noticed that some days like, like your calibration's off just a little bit? No matter what you do, you reach for something, you knock it off, you drop everything. You, it just nothing seems to be right. Just like, like something needs to be tweaked right back here. You just need to like a little, 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 uh, you know, a little, 
set screw in the back of your head, you could just kind of turn and try to get your calibration right because everything's just a little bit off, okay? I want everything to go easy. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to, to, to like what's going on. I want, but it's not like that. That's not the world is, okay? So Jesus says, don't worry. Jesus' own words of Matthew 6, 31, Jesus said this. This is not living waters, church doctrine saying. This is not something that was written. No, no, no. Jesus said this. Therefore, do not worry. But yet we worry. We worry about the future. We worry about our retirement. We worry about our health. We worry about our children. We worry about our grandchildren. We're, 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 we're always anxious. He said, don't even worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. What you're going to wear, for after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things are just added to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient is the day of its own troubles. There's a real key in there. The farther you start looking down the road, and I believe we should plan for futures. I believe we should have a, a goal to get to, okay? But the more you start worrying into the future, the harder it gets to be to live for today, okay? And so he said, look, take it one day at a time. Tomorrow's got its own set of problems. Deal with your set of problems today with me, and then we'll go on from there. The apostle Paul took it to another level. He took what Jesus said. He took it to another level. He went to Philippians 4, 6. He says, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Is anybody in here? Ever been anxious? Yeah, come on. If you don't think you've been anxious, you either, you know, something's wrong with you or you're a liar. We get anxious for things. But he says a key to what we do. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then it says, when you've done that, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, then it's going to guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. So, Paul tells us, he said, look, here, here, anxiety will come upon you unless you're talking to your heavenly father. I can say it that way. It's the same thing. Anxiety is going to come upon you unless you have a relationship and you're talking to God. And you're making your prayers and your supplications and your thanksgivings. Now, this is what's funny. I know this doesn't happen to you good people. But, you know, the, the, the devil knows how to get your goat. He's got your number down. He knows what button to push. And so what's funny about it is that there's a lot of people, Christians, will pray, do what the Bible says, but then the thought comes to them, well, you probably didn't pray right. You probably don't deserve an answer to prayer. You, you know, have, did you pray long enough? Did you pray right? Were you in, the, in faith? Were you in the right spirit? And then, then, then pastors write books about prayer and they get so depth and in-depth and detailed that, you know, then you're scared that you can't pray right because you didn't do it, you know, the 47 steps of prayer. And, and, then we, and then what do we do? We start being anxious for that, that we didn't do it right. Well, brother, when you prayed, were you really in the throne room? Well, I don't know. I just was standing in my yard and I prayed. Well, did that count? And so we become anxious. We people are worrying people. We people become anxious for things when... We just don't accept God for who he is and that he heard our prayers. I'm going to get to that in a minute, okay? So then Paul goes on down, Philippians 4, 8, and he says, 
Finally, brethren, what things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. And the things which you have learned and received and you've heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So he gives them the second point. He said, first, he tells them what to do to have the peace of God on them. And then the second point, he comes in there and says, look, you've got to control your thoughts. You've got to control your thoughts. How many of you all got that down perfect, controlling your thoughts? How many of you ever, I mean, you, you get mad or you get offended or, or you get with somebody and you've been yeah, yeah, and, and then, then you're in your mind and in your thoughts and then you're thinking, well, you know, this is what it should be and it should be this. And then you're holding court in your brain and, and you've got, you're, you're all parties. You're the judge, you're the prosecutor, you're the defense attorney, and you are the jury. And you're running through all of them. You're the prosecutor. Well, you know he did, he said, neither what. And then you're over here, you run over there and say, what if the defense, you know, what? Well, but I didn't really understand what was going on in that deal. And then you're back over in the jury. I don't know. It looks like number, like he's got a good point there. And then you're the judge saying, come on, we're going to get this thing through with him. We're going to put him down. Hello? There was a time in my life I thought about that I wanted to be a judge. And I, 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 I got out of that pretty quick because I just thought like I would like to be sitting there, listen to the deal, somebody hand me a piece of paper, slap the gab on it. And so everybody should be thankful I didn't pursue that. So anyway, you've got to be able to control your thoughts, okay? Not controlling your thoughts allows worry and anxiety to come in. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so glad that crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so I want to just change this a little bit. I want to help you here. Because for me to tell you to control your thoughts, it's kind of like telling you don't have a desire to eat sweets. Like, I, 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 I knew my health was not good. I was having all kinds of issues a couple of years ago, and, I, and the Lord spoke to me and said, quit eating anything sweet. And I was like, oof, I'd rather go to Ethiopia and preach. I mean, come on, Lord. That ain't going to be no fun. And so anyway, I went down that journey. It was worse than, it was the most addictive thing I'd ever tried to get off of in my life. It was, it was, it was, it was hell. But I broke it, and I finally did it. And then so I don't ever, I don't usually ever eat sweet. But then this Christmas, I thought, you know, I'd go just do a little of something. And it was as if, you know, like, well, let's put it this way. I didn't do it for very long because I saw right off the bat that I would be back to a sugar addict pretty quick. So I rebuked it, cast it out. That is the sugar from the house. <clears throat> Sent it home to the grandkids to get this stuff out of the house right now. I don't want to be tempted. But my point is... Those temptations are always there. Those things are always right there. It's always right there to come back in. Those thoughts are always going to come in and try to get you. And so I wouldn't be any good just to tell you, just don't have bad thoughts. I got I to gotta show you something here, okay? One of the problems that we have as Christians is in our thinking, we think that because we're walking with God, everything should work out the way we see it. We don't think that we should walk through hardships, I saw this happen, you know, before the 70s um, in most denominational churches. People just went to church 
and tried to be better people, but the teaching was pretty mainline, whatever church you attended, mainline. Basically, you're going to get to heaven because you believed in Jesus, but you're just not going to get any help on earth. And then the 70s came in, and a revival came in, and, and a lot of things started happening, a lot of things started changing, and then people started preaching about, you know, God wants to help you, and he wants to bless you, and here's what the scripture says. And a lot of teaching came in those lines of everything from prosperity to victory to whatever. And then there became a time where Christians believed that you could con basically can control your world by your prayer life, your thought life, your what you speak, and that you could get everything lined up and you could live in a perfect world in a box with no problems. But the problem with that teaching is we still live in a fallen world. We still live in a world that's got issues, and we still got a devil to deal with, and we still got <laughs> devil-filled people to deal with, okay? And so, so that you, you can't always make it work out like that, okay? But that doesn't mean that the teaching wasn't true. You just have to grasp it and understand what God is saying. Because God wants to deliver you, listen to me, through the problems, not from the problems. Go back and read the scriptures. I'm just preaching to you what, what the Bible says. Okay? Listen to me. Some problems we create ourselves because of bad choices. And not understanding the promises of God. Some come from, some come because it's collateral damage. It's not really your fault. You just, it's collateral damage, all right? You're just in the wrong place at the wrong times, collateral damage going on. And then some are because we just live in a fallen world. But I want to tell you something. God wants to deliver you out of them all. Let me take you to an example. Daniel chapter 6, verse 18. Story of Daniel's in the lion's den. Now, I'm just going to tell you the biggest part of it, and then we'll read this in a minute. Story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? They... Daniel, Daniel's doing good, and like all men, when somebody else is doing good, all they want to do is knock them down rather than try to be as good as they are. And so they wanted to take Daniel out. So they got the king to set up this decree and say, look, everybody's got to bow and worship, and they can only talk to this, to, to this, this idol, and that's the only thing they can do. Well, Daniel knew it. He knew what was going to go on. He knew what was going to happen. So he practiced three times a day going to worshiping God. So his time of prayer he went out, opened up his window, didn't care if anybody saw him. He didn't back up. He didn't, 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 didn't retreat, hide in the closet, got right out there in front of everybody. Everybody knew it. The next thing you know, the king who does, he loves Daniel. He doesn't want to see Daniel hurt. They go to him and say, look, this is the law. And he's like, oh, man, I didn't think about what you snaky devils were going to do. Slip this bill in and all of a sudden the legislation and put it in here. I didn't see that. And he goes to Daniel and says, Daniel, man, I'm sorry. You know, I love you. Can your God deliver you from this? And so Daniel said, my God can deliver me from anything. So he had to go to the lion's den. Now, folks, listen to me. Two stories in the book of Daniel with them going into the fiery furnace and the lion's den. Neither one of those two places are conducive for life. Okay? Neither one of them, from looking at it from the outside, they're not it's not good environment to be in. Hello? This is where I was talking about judging with righteous judgment. If you look at it from here and look in there, you say, Oh, no, a fiery furnace, a hungry lion. But if you look at it with righteous judgment, you do what Daniel said. My God can deliver me out of anything. So now the fire doesn't look so hot. The lions don't look so mean. 
Because you're judging with righteous judgment. You're taking the word of the promises of what your God has told you and you're looking through it at the situation. And so therefore it looks different. Well, it says in verse 18, I'm in Daniel 6, 18. So it says, the king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. The king arose very early in the morning. He went in haste to the den of lions, and when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me. Because I, ha I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury, whatever, was found upon him because he believed in his God. Now the rest of those verses said, Then they took the guys that had done all this, and they threw them into the lion's den. And before they hit the ground, the lion had already gotten hold of him and broke all their bones. So he was hungry. But we don't want to go to the lion's den. Our minds become anxious and our thoughts become tormented when we're looking at the lion's den because we're looking at it as saying, oh my gosh, this can't be good. God is not with me or I wouldn't be in going to the lion's den. And anxiety comes on us. And then our thoughts are, oh, this can't be. What if this? <laughs> oh, no. Are y'all with me here? This is where the anxiety comes from. Our anxiety comes because we're looking at those situations and circumstances and saying, oh my gosh, God hasn't delivered me. Because we're looking to deliver us from the situation, not deliver us through the situation. So, if you look back at the verse here, Daniel made a statement. O king, live forever. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. So Daniel makes these two statements. He says, look, I'm innocent before God and I'm innocent before you. Okay. Now, as good Christian people, here we take those thoughts. <gasps> what if I'm not? What if I didn't do something right? That's why I'm going to the lion's den. What if I mess up? What if I did this? I shouldn't have done that. I know I looked at that person. I shook my fist at him when he cut me off. Hello? Now, just so that I know that I'm in the right crowd of people, if this has ever happened, you've ever had those kind of thoughts? Could you just give me a little, a little wave here so I can know that I'm in the right place? Okay. A few of y'all are truthful. I'm glad. Thank you. I just don't want to preach if y'all are already holy and righteous and don't have any of these issues and are just sitting here and say, why didn't you just serve communion? Let's go. I'm hungry. I have these thoughts sometimes. They come to me. Did I do this right? Did I do that right? Have I... And you start getting all these technical things. All right? Now I'm going to help you. This is how I'm going to help you this morning. Because when it all boils down to it, church, Daniel... To, to answer his question, he had to know he was right with God. The only way Daniel could have known that he was innocent before God is that Daniel was keeping the law. And actually, Daniel's wrong. I hate to tell him. Don't want to offend him in heaven, but Daniel was wrong because the Bible says that there was no way you could be right with the law. That the law was to show you that you were a sinner. So I don't really know what Daniel was banking on here other than he thought he had kept all the seasons and the fastings and the you know before God but the truth of the matter is he was not righteous 
because no man could deliver himself and make himself right before God by the blood of a lamb. There was only one lamb coming that could make us righteous. So the point with us New Testament Christians is all you have to know, it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. Folks, listen to me. I love you. Y'all are great. See, y'all are my favorites this morning because you're here. So I don't want to make you feel bad. I want to, I want to preach you happy, but I got to tell you something. Not one of you is good enough to make it on your own. Y'all are awesome, but I'm telling you, you're not good enough to make it on your own. You're not going to do it. You're going to fall short. Every one of us, none of us are. We're all going to fall short. It's all about Jesus. Our covenant is with Jesus. And as long as Jesus is who Jesus said he is, then you're okay. We have to know, this is a question to you. Do you believe that Jesus is a son of God? Do you believe that Jesus was sent forth to go to the cross to die for your sins? Okay. Do you believe that Jesus arose from the grave third day? Okay, you're doing good. You're doing good so far. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe He died on the cross for your sins. You believe He arose showing forth that He was the Son of God. All right? Then do you believe that then He ascended and He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God? All right, now you're doing really good. The only last one you have to know is, have you asked Him to be your Savior? So then once you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, it isn't about you anymore. It's all about Jesus. Your faith in Jesus, the blood of Jesus, then comes over your life, and you're made righteous and holy and unblameable before Him in love. Because when God looks at you, He sees Jesus. So then, you can truly, if you know that in your heart, and you can know that in your heart, you don't have to say, well, I certainly hope so. Man, that preacher, he's preaching good. Like, I really, I really hope he's right. I... No, you can know that you know that you know that you know down here in your spirit because you've been born again. You know that. You're right with God. And if you know you're right with God, then folks, listen to me. You can face the lion's den and know the mouth of the lions will be shut. You can face the fiery furnace and know that God's going to be in there with you. The fourth man's going to be in the fire. You can know that the government can do whatever they want to go do. Uh, foreign invaders come and do whatever they want to do. You can know that whatever can take place, whatever virus, whatever disease, whatever ungodly, unholy thing that evil men could think up to put upon us can happen. But God is with you because you are right with him. Wow. Will you be inconvenienced? I don't imagine it smelled too good in that lion's den. The victory was looking over the edge of the lion's den when your enemies got thrown inside and got eaten before they hit the ground, you would want to say, because, no, y'all wouldn't. Y'all are good people. But I would want to say, ha, teach you to mess with me. We don't want to have to face a Red Sea. We don't want to have to walk in love. But it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. That's the kicker. You sold your life to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus. He bought and paid for you. So he's in charge, not you. So all of a sudden, then it doesn't make any difference what's going to happen. Like I say, if you, if you spend any time looking on the Internet, there is nothing out there that is telling you what I'm telling you this morning. I mean, there may be some other preachers. I'm talking about what's going on in the secular world. It's all about they're going to steal your money. There's a new virus coming. 
It's going to be a flesh-eating sucker. It'll going to be, you know, whatever. It's, it's, it's this. It's that. It's, you know, there's not going to be election this year. We're going to be in a war. Uh, you know, uh, martial law. They're going to declare martial law. I mean, I have listened and heard every one of them. And not a one of them says, you good Christian people get delivered. And I say they're wrong. I say God is God. And I say we may have to spend a night in the lion's den, but we're coming out on top. That God is with us, and that's the place we got to be in our faith, is that, God, you got me. You got me, Lord. I'm not going to panic. You got me. I, I'm going to walk through whatever it is. I'm just going to keep walking and enjoying life and then loving and blessing and knowing that you're going to do whatever I want to. And if I need to take a side step or I need to do something, you're going to order my steps. You're going to prepare my way. Because then you can get into that. Oh my gosh, we gotta get, we gotta get everything. We gotta get, you know, survival gear. So I just want to ask you this about survival gear. Now, I, I think you're crazy living where we live if you don't have a pantry full at all times, because we never know what's gonna happen around this place, okay? But I'm talking about I'm talking about trying to survive the apocalypse. How much food are you gonna need? And are you prepared to shoot the first person that comes to your house to get your food? And you say, Well, yeah, I'll smoke him. Got an excavator out back, I'll bury him out back, do a service over him. Bless God, ain't nobody going to get my food. You're going to run into some problems there because we're supposed to love people. I say, why not believe God that your pot doesn't run out? I say, why not believe that you made a pot of stew and that thing just will not run out? I say, why not just believe God for him to be doing miracles? And miracles and miracles, like the Bible says that he wants to do for us. We have to change our thinking and put our thinking in Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. Now, another person that I love here is Jehoshaphat. 2 Corinthians 18.31, it's a great story, and I'm just going to tell it to you, and you can go back and read it. But Jehoshaphat gets all caught up in pride, and he goes to see Ahab, the king of Israel. And Ahab says, you know, uh, I've been thinking about going out and going over there and whooping that old boy over there. And uh, you want to go with me? And Ahab's like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to back down from a fight. It's a fight. Yeah, let's go do it. I, I like fighting. So Ahab, he's a snake, you know. And Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, he said, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to try a new tactic. I'm going to go in incognito. But you put on all your kingly garments and everything. And go into the battle. Now, he should have seen something was coming on this. I mean, I also just really kind of sorry, feel sorry for Jehoshaphat. He wasn't smart enough to see what was going on. But yet, in the battle then, Jehoshaphat comes out in all his kingly garments. And all the enemy looks over there and says, ah, there's the king. There's Ahab. Let's get him. So they all start charging towards him. And so he turns the chariot like any smart person and sets sail. And he's running, and he's trying to get away, and he cries out to God. So listen to this. So it was that when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, it's the king of Israel. Therefore they surrounded him to attack him, but Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, help me. And God diverted them from him. Jehoshaphat was an idiot. He was full of pride. He was in the, there was no way he was righteous. Do you follow me here? Yet when he cried out to God, he delivered him. Why? Because God is a God of covenant. And who do you have a covenant with? Oh, Jesus. 
So then what does that mean to you? Even when you get out there and they're doing something stupid, you can call out to God and say, Oh, what have I done? And God will deliver you because of covenant. And then someone randomly, randomly shot an arrow and it hit Ahab right between the shoulders and killed him. Listen to me. Wicked and evil people are not going to get away with what they're doing. Just hear me. They're going to get shot with an arrow between the shoulders somewhere that somebody randomly shot. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm, I believe it's going to happen this year. We're going to see some of it. It's just going to happen. It's going to be there. It isn't going to make any difference. It's just somebody shot an arrow. Because God is God. Now listen to me. Romans 8, 31, a scripture you know. I'm going to hurry up and finish up because we're going to have communion. I'm going to bless everybody. Romans 8, 31. It says, what shall we say to these things? What things? All these things are coming against you. If God's for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but delivered him for, up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What are we going to do with that scripture? You're going to throw it away? You're going to say, oh, but Lord, you don't understand the lion's den. It's smelly. Oh, God, you don't understand, but the fire is hot. I can feel the heat coming from the furnace. No, he says he's going to give you all things. He's going to deliver you in all things. It's God who justifies. Who is who? Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died and furthermore also is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who? Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you catch that? I'm reading it so fast it's just like, uh, 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 whoa, whoa. Jesus is making intercession for you. Oh, do you think Jesus prays a prayer and it doesn't work? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Wow. Because of what you did, you made it about Jesus and not about you. That scripture is yours. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter where you are, the devil can't come into your thoughts and say, oh, but I know what you were thinking. God doesn't like that. Oh, you've messed up too much. God's not going to take care of that. No, no, no. He can't do that to you because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And Jesus already did it. His blood's on the cross. Blood's at the altar. His blood's taking care of everything. And you're righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. Does that mean we get to live any way we want to? No, the Bible tells us we should be, live good and be good people. But it doesn't change the fact that you're already in covenant with God. And the blood of Jesus is crying out for you. So you can just shut up all of those thoughts that come into your mind right then. And they say, no, just go, go find somebody else to talk to. They're all gone. I'm righteous and holy and unblameable before my God in love. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. God loves me. All of a sudden... Your faith builds. You see what I'm saying, church? This is what God intended you to walk in. This is how God intended you to think and to walk and to, 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 to function in this life. Now, I've got to share this last one with you because my wife was preaching to me this morning. Luke 21.10. This is in Jesus' own words to us. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be a great earthquake in the various places and famines and pestilence, and there will be fearful sightings and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay on their hands, 
They will lay their hands on you and persecute you and deliver you up to the synagogues and the prisons, and you will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. So, in other words, they're going to get you, take you, think they're going to do it, but you end up getting a great platform to be a testimony for Jesus. Therefore, settle it in your hearts. Settle it in your hearts. Hear me. Settle it in your hearts. Hear the message I'm saying to you today and settle it in your hearts. That Jesus, it's about Jesus, and Jesus is your Savior. It's settled. He said, therefore, settle in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. In other words, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Don't be trying to figure it all out. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom for which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or to resist. You will be betrayed even by your parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated for all my name's sake, but not a... Right here. Look at this. But not a hair of your head shall be lost by your patience. Possess your souls. Now, see, we look at it and we say, wait a minute. There's betrayal in here by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. Wait a minute. Somebody's going to die. I don't think that sounds good like I got delivered, Lord. I don't think that that sounds like I got delivered, Pastor. It sounds like to me I died. But but it says not a hair of your head's going to be lost. You say, well, I don't understand that because I'm supposed to live and I'm supposed to. Listen to me. I don't know how to explain it because I can't explain it in words. Not my words, only his words. But what I can tell you is that nothing in your life, when you made a covenant with, through Jesus, nothing in your life will be lost. Even in death, there's gain. I mean, we think about death as the end of existence on the earth here, but we forget about what you just gained. Heaven, we're saying, oh, I, I want to stay here where it's hell. I want to stay here on this earth and fight it out, you know, and go through all this mess. It's like my wife the other day, I just said to her, man, I just, I don't know what happened. I just had a moment of the downs. And I said, man, I can't believe. I said, I'm 62. And I said, 20, I could, I could possibly live 20 more years in this stinking world. I said, I'm discouraged. I said, I got to get my thinking changed around. I just, you know, just every, I, I, I looked at too many bad reports. And I was like, I can't, I can't do it, Lord. You got to come back. Get us out of this mess. My point is, church, this, when you get your thinking straight, then worry and anxiety begins to leave your life because you're, you're putting all your emphasis on Jesus. Your thought life begins to line up because you're putting all your emphasis upon Jesus. The devil says to you, look how sorry you are. You say, oh, but look how great Jesus is. <laughs> he hates that one. Oh, it just twists his tail when you say it. He said, oh, but look how great Jesus is. Look what he did. He delivered me. He saved me. I'm going to heaven. Oh, he says that I'm not going to even lose a hair on my head. He's got me all taken care of. I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. The devil's like, oh, forget him. He's, he's doing good today. We can't get to him. Just let him go. He's got his confession right, and he just go off. Amen? So, church, this is how you got to approach 24. Now, that's only point one, and I got like 74 more, so... I've got to somehow condense this message because this is two services and I ain't got past point one yet. And so I'm just telling you, I want you to be encouraged today. We're going to have communion. We're going to serve communion. And I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm 
we're going to serve communion regularly, but I want to, I want to, I want to walk by and I want to lay my hand on you. Okay. I, I, just as a sign that, that as a, as a body of Christ here, that we're standing in agreement with you for 24, for this new year, that you're going to be blessed and receive a blessing from it. I, I, I'm just going to walk by just quickly, lay my hands. I just want you to feel the touch that we are in agreement with you that you are blessed this year. Amen. And so then they're going to come right behind me serving you communion. And so it's maybe take a little bit longer, but we'll we'll work it through. Get you like cows going through the dipping chutes, you know, here we'll get it all done. The only thing I really wish, and we may institute it this year, is I'd really want to, I really want to throw holy water. I just think, think of nothing that would be more fun to get one of them slingers and sling water all over y'all. That would be so fun to sling. So I'm going to work, see if I can't work that in somehow. So what I want you to do is just put your Bibles up and just start to get your hearts right. Those of you that are watching, uh, get your communion elements out. Um, those that are going to help me up here, come on up right now and... Uh, Help me to serve. Musicians, y'all can come up. So the Bible tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he broke bread and he gave it to his disciples and said, Now this is my body which is broken for you. Now do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today we take this broken piece of bread. And we just take it, Lord, and we believe you that in this whole year, your body that was broken on the cross, it's enough, Lord. It's more than enough, but it's enough, Lord God, because we're in covenant with you. That you heal our bodies. You mend our hearts. Lord, through this communion, you put everything back in order. So take now and eat. And afterwards, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? The forgiveness of sin. Lord, we thank you that your blood was enough on that cross. It was more than enough, Lord, to make this world, to have an opportunity to be righteous with you. Lord, we believe in you, Jesus, that you are our Savior. And Lord, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. And Lord, as we call out upon you, we thank you that your blood keeps us in the love of God. That we'll never be separated from that love. And we praise you for it. So take and drink. For all of those of you out watching, can't lay hands on you, but I can speak a word over you. And I pray that the Lord bless you and keep you. That the Lord make His face shine upon you. Give you peace. And that this year of 24 is the greatest year of your life. For God's with you through every step of the way. Amen. So, as you come up, just come on up, church, and do like we always do, make a line through here.
Thank you, Jesus. Stand up, church. Look at the person beside and say, boy, you're blessed. Now, you don't forget what the Lord said to you today. Amen? You face this, this year, big old smile on your face and saying, God, you're going to win. Keep my attention on you, Jesus. Amen? So, Father, I just declare over this congregation, over everyone out there listening and watching, Lord, I just declare that we're going we're gonna to triumph through Christ. Whatever obstacles come, whatever problems come, we are going to triumph through Christ in every, everything. So, Lord, I just declare the good hand of God is upon your people. And that as we go forth, Lord, we can tell others this is good news. And, Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We still have people up here. If you need any other prayer for anything, we're here for you.